welcome to a special live off the books episode of the All the Books show, uh, recorded in basically isolation. Uh, I'm joined this week by a friend of the show, Sally Jacoby Murphy. Sally, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. You know, a little stir crazy, <laughs> but mostly good, I guess you'd say. Yeah, that's fair. Sally that's is the fair. director of the Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library in scenic Hammondsport. How is Hammondsport today? Really quiet. Yeah, well, that <laughs> makes more sense. Quiet than usual. That makes sense. I love I love the views in Hammondsport. The first time I was at a director's advisory council meeting was at the Hammondsport Library and I just like walked around looking at all the sites. I mean, the water is just right there. I was surprised about that. Yeah, I know, me too. When I first came here, I was like, well, who wouldn't want to live here. I know. I know. It's great. It's great. So uh, normally we start the podcast talking about what we've been reading. So let's dive into some bookmarks. Sally, you're the, why don't you go first? Wait, have you read anything exciting lately? Yes. Well, so I just reread Lincoln and the Bardo. Oh, um, and George Saunders. Longer, yes, George Saunders. Um, and the Logger Queen of Minnesota for our Hammondport Book Club. Oh, okay. Um, which went great. Nice. Um, and we are currently reading The Once and Future King with them as well. Like T.S. So Eliot? Like classic? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. They are book club like, they like everything. Heavy. Any genre could be a penny novel or like a great classic. That's but, just, a, that's a then, that's an extreme pivot, I think, from Lincoln and the Bardo <laughs> to Once and Future yeah. King. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey uh, yeah. next, just to kind of get all the genres. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Definitely, but they've liked all of them. So, okay. You know. And then I'm currently also reading White Fragility. Oh. Why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. <laughs> uh, the Book of Gutsy Women. Wow. Which is pretty popular right now. My so many got me this for Christmas. visual Shout cues. I like it. Um, and then the classic, very important piece of literature, Bachelor Nation. Oh. Okay. <laughs> about the also classic very important to american culture show the bachelor oh are you a fan of the bachelor oh, that's where, oh my gosh i'm such a huge fan that's <laughs> that's genuinely surprising to me but that's good to know yeah, it's fun. yeah. i don't like the bachelorette it's super boring i'm sorry i'm sorry to all men in the world but like y'all are boring no drama but the bachelor the bachelor yes okay well you heard it from here hot take from from sally jacoby murphy so that's what I'm reading. Okay. What about you? What are you reading? Well, back uh, back when Joyce Carol Oates came to the library, I, I picked up a copy of um, Blonde by, by Joyce Carol Oates, which is, it's a novel about Marilyn Monroe's life, and it is just depressingly tragic, you know? It's like, it, it really, it dives into all the psychological stuff that she was going through and just, like, how difficult it was for her to suddenly find herself as... Marilyn Monroe, you know, something that she always saw as more of like a role or a costume than being herself. So it's, it's a very tragic book. It's really, it's, it's the uh, perfect subject matter for Joyce Carol Oates, I think, because um, she's so good at really making all that psychological stuff feel so real and feel like it's happening to a real person and not just sort of a distant character in a book. So I started this um, a couple of years back and then I set it aside for a while. It's it's sort of in uh, sections, you know, like early life and later life. And, you know, uh, she's just married to Joe DiMaggio in uh, where, I, where I'm at now. So it's excellent. It's really good. So I, I highly recommend it. I was saying earlier that I, I wish that she would do a similar thing with Elvis because I think that she could really pull out all those super depressing elements of Elvis. And then uh, for the Library Book Club, we, we've been doing a thing where we're alternating between a classic and a, and a newer take on the classic. So we did um, we did The Great Gatsby and then we did No One Is Coming to Save Us. And right now we're reading Howard's End by E.M. Forrester. So that's what I'm that's what I'm reading right now. And then after that, on Beauty by Zadie Smith, which is... Uh, a newer version on, on Howard's End, kind of a take on it. So, oh, nice. I finished. I mean, graphic novels. I've been reading a lot of graphic novels while in seclusion. So I, <laughs> I read a, <laughs> a Shazam book called Back in Black, which was pretty good. We we did a whole uh, Shazam spotlight with a comic book author a few weeks back, and I did a really cool interview with uh, John Davy, who's the actor who played Captain Marvel Shazam in the '70s show. That's so cool and so crazy. <laughs> it is crazy because he like he worked with Lucille Ball on the Lucy Show. Like he did the movie with Kirk Douglas, and it's the first time I've been able to be like, so what was James Garner like? You know, to somebody who could like, answer that. So we had a good time. 
he said that his uh, his pop culture references stopped in the 70s, and I was like, me too. So we had, we had a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, you're too sure. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's pretty much it for me. Have you been watching anything good? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm always watching things. I mean, yeah, this I like really had to write down because I was like, I'm not going to be able to remember it. So Sarah and I picked up from the library something that was marked new. Okay. It turns out it was from 2005. So new to the new to the library, maybe a new addition to your collection. I think it. I think it must have been. I think someone must have donated it. But it was called Surface, which just ran for one season in 2005 about these like sea creature monsters that have like somehow appeared on Earth and are changing the entire like ecosystem around us. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of that even it was it was kind of terrible yeah we watched the most recent season of sabrina so we're caught up to that um through season three and i really liked season three i thought it redeemed itself a little bit after season two which was and Um, and you're talking sabrina like sabrina the teenage witch archie comics but the new dark interpretation yes okay yes (laughs) i mean i've seen the old like 90s like teeny bopper kind of one the melissa like, joan hart one yeah. yeah um which is honestly great in and of itself yeah um but i'm i mean i'm a huge fan of dark things as you know um, i, I so do this know new Sabrina thing i i really love yeah um, you've done five halloween then, episodes with us talking about how much you like darkness i know that's crazy i know five. yeah we also we watched all of the oscar noms so best picture noms we're still making our way through best actor and best actress so we just finished bombshell which I actually really enjoyed. I know it got a lot of flack. Um, oh, from that's different. That's the Fox News yeah, one. About, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So them suing Roger Ailes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually found it really interesting. I thought it was interesting to see these women who don't call themselves feminists but are essentially like standing up for like sexual harassment in right. the workplace. So I yeah. thought it was a really interesting, complex story that they tried to tell. We're going to be starting the show Gentleman Jack, which is an HBO show, and we need to get caught up on SNL. And I also got out just a ton of movies from the library. So I thought we'd give Close Encounters of the Third Kind a look because, again, my wife has not seen it. So yeah. I'm hoping she'll go on this journey with me. Have you um, seen, Have you seen like, the crazy extended cut of that? I doubt it, but I'm not sure. There's a version where you where it, where it like, keeps going and you see Richard oh. Dreyfuss and it's... It's really terrible. Like, I don't think you should ever watch it, but it's very bad, like, CGI, like, putting Richard Dreyfuss's head on, like, a CGI body, like, walking through spaceships and things. It's don't. So it was, like, a new edition? Like, they tacked it on later? I, yeah, I guess it was, it was, like, part of the initial plan that they would do this, and then it was just, like, special effect-wise, we can't do that. But then they went back in and did it, a la George Lucas, and it was awful so don't watch it don't, don't do anything i'll add george lucas yeah seriously yeah sorry george lucas yeah. <laughs> um, <but laughs> with apologies so, so to we, george lucas yeah <laughs> with apologies um oh and i'm i just started american horror story 1984 i was like a big fan of cool. american horror story in the first few seasons and then super dropped off got super boring for a few seasons and now i'll watch a serial killer set in 1984 so that's where we're back okay but, all right yeah, so that's what I'm watching. Uh, what about you? Well, we've been watching uh, Picard on CBS All Access, Star Trek yeah. Picard. Have you watched any of it? That. No, well, I don't have CBS All Access, but I think I might have to do like a free trial or something. Because I haven't seen, what was the the other new Star Trek one, the one before this? Discovery, yeah. Yeah, Discovery. I haven't seen Discovery either, so. Actually, uh, both, both seasons of Discovery are on DVD and in the collection at the David A. Howe Public Library, so... I don't know how you do things in Hammondsport, but we keep up on our Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we've kept up on our sci-fi like I... I see. I think I should, I yes. guess. Okay. All right. Yes, but you can watch Discovery on DVD, and it is pretty good. It takes it takes a little time to get used to it, and I think especially in Season 1, they don't really find their groove until about halfway through. Nice. So, been watching that, and we've been watching a show on Acorn TV called Blood. It's an Irish mystery series. First season was really cool, and, and uh, the second season just started, so that's that's what we're watching right now. What was that really popular British TV mystery series with Olivia? Oh, Broadchurch. Uh, yes, Broadchurch. I just L- Olivia, watching yeah. Broadchurch. Olivia Coleman, David Tennant, yes. Are that's you liking great. it? Are you, I yeah, that. yeah. I think all three seasons are, are really good. Like, after the first season, I wasn't really like, yes, please give me another season. But I thought both of the seasons that followed, they actually did a pretty nice job on it. Uh, you'll have to tell me what you think when you're finished. Totally. Well, should we get into the meat of our little interview here? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Sally, I thought today uh, we could talk a little bit about 
just our experiences working in libraries and using libraries, how, how we got to the place where we are now. So uh, let me let me ask you, before you started working in a library, do you have childhood memories? Like, were you a library user as a kid? Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of cool because, so when I was a kid, my library was the Wide Awake Club in Fillmore. Nice. Which is now a part of our library system. Absolutely. Um, Shout out to Roxanne over in Fillmore. She does a great job. Yeah. So, I mean, all of my earliest library memories really take place in their old building, which used to be on, I guess, I don't know, is that Main Street? I'm not sure. That goes up to the school. Yeah. So it was like a little building that was like double story and it had this sort of like weird loft background yeah. on the upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was like, it's a cool like thing to look back on because I remember as a kid that was like, just a magical spot. You'd go up there and like find your books and sit by the window that was like one of those really low windows and it felt very cozy. Mm -hmm. And like, so I have a lot of good memories of that. And probably also of like the Houghton College Library, which I don't have as many childhood memories of. That's just always been a space that I remember in my life. Okay. So just a much more academic, usually my dad going in to get out like 300 DVDs or like whatever he was doing for his film class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah okay when i was a college student so a long time like way long ago longer than it seems i went to the wide awake club and i got a library card there mostly so i could do interlibrary loans of like popular series and stuff that i liked so I, I i did that and i actually still have that card i can't part with this library card that i've had for like 15 years so uh staff yeah. makes fun of me for that but i i can't get rid of it oh i, I still think have that's it. cute <laughs> You. <laughs> My childhood library was in Battle Creek, Michigan, where I'm originally from. The the also called the Willard Library, uh, the Charles F. Will, I know Charles F. Willard Library, and I don't I don't feel like we didn't go there a ton. You know, like when I when I was a kid, I don't remember going there a million times. I remember hanging out in the church library, which never had anything good, like at, you know a church, like looking around and. Yes, please. Another copy of Mr. Popper's Penguins is exactly what I want. But um, <laughs> but we did, you know, we would go to the library and I would check out series that I like. And um, these these were back in the old card catalog days. So like going through, flipping through the files, trying to find what I wanted and stuff. I, I did do that, but it really wasn't until I was older in my teens that I was going and really like taking advantage of it full time, you know. That's interesting because that's not usually the trajectory kids take. We always struggle to keep them in the teen years, not necessarily. Well, I never, I don't know. I mean, libraries are so different now than they were like 20 years ago with so much more programming and ways to engage and stuff. It just, you know, so I, I was certainly not, not like hanging out at the library or doing programs or anything, but I would go and like get what I needed. When I found out they had movies and stuff, I checked out a lot of VHS tapes from the, the Willard <laughs> Public Library in, in Battle Creek. You're so old. <laughs> I know, I know. And that was actually my first library job, too. I did a lot of, like, theater stuff when I was a, a teenager and in college. I would do, like, dinner theaters where, where uh, you know, we do 100 performances of a show. And I have to, like, leave school early to do the matinees and stuff. But one of those shows that I was in uh, was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And <laughs> the moms of one of the other kids worked at the public library. And so when the dinner theater set was like ending and I needed a new job, you know. And so when I was 19, uh, I went and applied at the at the public library because I'd known this woman, Valerie Fold was her name. So hi, Val. Thanks. And uh, I, I applied there and uh, I got that job. And that was my first library job when I was a teenager. That's how long I've, I've been working in libraries. I, I know how your library journey begins. But for the sake of our listeners, <laughs> let me ask you. Sally, how did you start working in libraries? Well, it's all your fault. Thank you. <laughs> so Nick and I didn't overlap in college, but we went to the same college. We did. In college, so yes. Yeah. I was a student, a freshman, and I had applied, and Nick basically had been like, well, we don't really have that many openings right now, but I need to keep your resume, blah, blah, blah. And then winter break hit, and he needed help. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got the call. That's right. And I lived up Centerville Hill so I trudged down in like two feet of snow on like some random Thursday it was like um, it was like Christmas it was like either right before yeah. Christmas or right after yep and I was like yes I need a job and this seems like a good job so I trudged down in that snow like singing my alphabet the entire way down because I knew that like there's like two things I need to be able to do and one of them I'm not good at with this which is alphabetized things oh and so but Nick <laughs> I like struggled through <laughs> putting things in an order and Nick was like yeah. you're hired yeah. and I started that day yep yep it was, it was... <laughs> that is how my journey began <laughs> <laughs> it was funny too because I mean first of all when I said I'll, I'll keep your resume on file did you think that was a blow off or did you actually think that I, I would yeah I mean there's a lot of conversation because I'm like a Houghton kid my dad my parents are both 
they teach and work at the college. And so there's a lot of conversation around that time about not hiring, like, local kids. Oh, really? And so I kind of oh. was like, I'm never going to get any of these jobs. Oh, okay. Um, well, and I mean, it wasn't, like, an overtly, people were just, like, very aware of nepotism and, like, trying to, like, curb that. And I was like, well, I guess I'm probably never going to get a job on campus. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I, like, jumped on it when you asked me to interview. So. Yeah. Boom, here we are. <laughs> what was what was funny about that too was that like you got there and I didn't really have a lot of questions to ask you. You know, because <laughs> because so you much like a, you had a lot of books and you were like, put these in alphabetical order and I was like, Okay. And call number. That, I like, think it was call number order, not just alphabetical. Yeah. It was call number. <laughs> Library of Congress <laughs> system. No, but you know, hiring for that job. So I so I worked at the I worked at the the Willard Public Library in Battle Creek for about five years, all throughout my college career, basically. Like, I I worked there full-time over the summers, and then every college break, I'd go home and work for a couple weeks. And then right after I graduated uh, Houghton, I was a December grad, and I started in January at Herrick Memorial Library over at Alfred University. So I went right from that. I was there for about two years, and there I did... um, At at Willard, I was basically just... um, front desk. I just work the front desk all the time. Alfred, I split my time between working at the front desk and working with the students and cataloging new materials. So that's where I learned like cataloging and all that, which I'm glad that I did. It's a, it's a useful skill to have. But I was there for about two years. And then I started uh, at the at the Houghton Library, the, the Willard J. Houghton Library. And I think it was pretty early on with me being there that we met and I hired you. Probably, I, yeah. I, I was really, yeah, it was, it was super early. But anyway, yeah, I had you come in the snow. And what I learned on that job was that, like, hiring students for the front desk was really more about personality. Like, is this person going to be good with students and faculty? Is this person going to add positivity to the environment and, like... I knew that with you right away, so I didn't have a whole lot of like, oh, so tell me about your, you know, so, so that's why I went so quickly. Well, thanks. <laughs> but that was your, that was your freshman year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like winter break of my freshman year. Yeah. And I loved that job. I mean, that was a great job. Yeah, we had, we had, had good to, times. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty straightforward, but you just got a lot of face time with the students, and I got to, I mean, you ended up hiring both my roommates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they had good references, you know. Coincidental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of coincidental, but I mean, it was just cool because we knew, like, we were, like, pretty tight knit. We could, like, talk to everybody. So if we needed yeah. a shift covered or whatever, it was pretty loosey-goosey but then it was just like a really great staff and I don't know it was a good job yeah I, I had but a good time there friends yeah I uh... <laughs> the day I left Nick said now we can be friends that's true that's true well you know gotta it gotta be proper but yeah. um yeah the, the fun thing about that job too and it's so different like an academic library versus a public library just the whole environment is different and I felt like I was always kind of like bucking against like this is an academic library so mm-hmm. I didn't have as much fun there as I had at like other libraries, but I really liked working with students. I mean, I got to do a lot of interesting things. I did interlibrary loan there. I did more cataloging, but mostly I just enjoyed working with students because I'd always have about 10 or 12 students at any given time. And it was one of the most popular jobs on campus, as you'll recall. I mean, the oh, applications yeah. for that job were like, you know, so it was hard to yeah. hard to do that. Yeah. But um, but I really Another enjoyed that. I I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then hired my brother. Well, that's true. I did. But you know, it's funny about that. When I when I first started as a student at Houghton, I applied to work there. And I had like years of library experience. I didn't even get a call. Nobody even, <laughs> nobody's interested. But when I started working there, then I needed to hire. I was like, well, let me go through the old uh, application, see if I can find anything. And I found my own application that was untouched. So, I don't know. Competitive, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, not this guy, not ever. So I was there for uh, about seven years, and you were there, what, I mean, four, your whole college career. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then after that, for me, I was there for seven years, and then I was hired in Wellsville, really to do circulation and adult programming. And you you came along and did monthly craft classes for the library. Yes. For, a, for ye- a couple of years, right? A couple of years? Yeah. Yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, I mean... It was while I was working at Alfred, so yeah. at least two or three years. Yeah. I mean, I was at Alfred for five. I'm not sure I did it the whole time, but yeah. Yeah, so. several anyway. And of course, popping up on all the books to do all of the Halloween episodes with us, of course. Yes. We can't do a Halloween episode yes. without you. That'd be madness. <laughs> but I did uh, I did circulation and adult programming for about two years, 
And then I was promoted to um, assistant director to sort of oversee programming as a whole. But I was only doing that for a couple months before uh, Michelle Lavoie, my predecessor, uh, moved to the Olean Library. And then I was the interim director. And I wasn't really... I didn't know that if I wanted to like, apply for the director job, and I, I was glad that I had a couple months doing interim stuff to kind of decide whether or not I wanted it, but they did interview several people for the job, and I, I honestly didn't expect to get it, really, and so um, I decided that I wanted to do that, and I applied and interviewed and was pretty pleased when I got it because it was not anything I had been expecting, you know, a year before that even. I didn't I didn't see it going that way, but it that's been... I don't know, four years ago, I've been director now, so, and I've really enjoyed it. And now here you are back in library. So, so, yeah, it's super crazy. so four Again, years at Houghton. Well, that's, that's more your fault. I just was like, I know this lady who'd be great. You know, that's, that's the extent no, of me. Well, and I'm very glad to be back in it. So, yeah. So, so tell me about that a little bit. How, I mean, how did that come up? So you'd been doing student life. Yeah. So I, been doing higher ed for the past like eight years mm-hmm. um started at houghton then went to alfred state and then i went to elon university in north carolina all great loved all of those positions i was in res life at elon and nick passed me this job and said i think you'd be really great at it and i knew that res life was not going to be what i wanted to do forever it's right. just a very high touch high stress job sure and i wanted to go back into programming either in like the diversity umbrella or in like direct student programming and mm-hmm. So I was like, well, actually, like library work, especially now, is a lot of programming, a lot of interfacing with the public, a lot of that kind of stuff. And I love that. Yeah. The big overlap in programming. And I miss um, like direct mentorship of students, but I have found that it is sort of replaced by like community outreach in a way, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. So yeah, I like it a lot. It's such an interesting job, I find, because um, I mean, I have a lot of library experience, but I don't think that. I don't think that those are the skills that I rely on most. You know, I feel like doing community programming and and working with students, like directing plays and that sort of thing. I feel like a lot of those like managerial kind of skills and and just the idea of of working closely with the public. I feel like those things are equally helpful, like in this job. So I, I, I feel like I pull on a lot of different experiences that I've had. And it's not just like, how many years have you worked in a library? Yeah, I mean, even quite frankly, the situation we're facing now with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> when I was at Elon, we had a mumps out or a, yeah, mumps outbreak. Mumps. And so it felt very much like this is our issue it's a health crisis this is how we're going to like figure this out and i was like wow i'm like i actually have gained skills in my previous work that is directly applicable to managing the library now so yeah how did you get a mumps outbreak was it was it like 1975 when that happened or (laughs) (laughs) yeah you would think sadly no okay All right. Well, I let's. Under control. I have not talked to my resident people about the mumps specifically since this all shifted. But right. man, that would suck to have both of them going on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be well. My sister, my sister lives in Utah, right where the where where all the crazy uh, earthquakes have been happening. So she's we were just talking to her yesterday, and it's been like half shut down from earthquakes and half shut down from virus. So I mean, that's chaotic that's serious chaos i mean i guess i guess now we have to talk about the virus you brought it up so now (laughs) that's all right what tell me tell me a little bit about how hammondsport has been adapting to that well so last week i mean things change so quickly right so last week we or i came up with a plan and sent it to my board president nancy who is wonderful um and so we had sort of a few contingency plans in place based on what was going to happen uh-huh. and of course things moved way faster than i thought they would so essentially i have a great board they've been very flexible and very understanding we're working from home as much as possible and doing as much online as we can as possible yeah. but also making sure that during this time somebody's at the library every day disinfecting books making sure we're wiping down counters and then those of us that are working remotely are trying to make sure, like, we're posting on Facebook, keeping everybody updated, sharing, like, virtual story times mm-hmm. or outreach programs that we can as we find them. We had a plan to do a curbside pickup, but sadly that's been suspended right now because yeah. obviously we don't want to keep spreading <laughs> any diseases around. Right. We're doing as much as we can. I do think that because we're a part of the community, we're in a unique situation to just give outreach calls or check 
space with people that might be alone during this period. Oh, that's nice. That's especially isolating. Yeah. Um, so especially my staff, like Lynn and Deb, have been um, keeping tabs on some folks that they know might, you know, it might be nice for them to get a call. Or yeah, to yeah, yeah. Place. That's great. So that's kind of, then, you know, stuff like this, touching base with other directors, yeah. seeing what's going on at other places, getting ideas. Everybody's doing different things, I feel like, which is interesting to see people's creativity. And I know. I, what they're... I agree. I mean, there's, I, there's definitely positives coming out of it. I'm going insane. I'm coming unhinged. But there are, uh, <laughs> there are positive aspects. We were in Wellsville. We were we were originally. I mean, we we'd always said, you know, like last week we were talking to the board and the staff, and everybody was really on the same page that um, we take our cue from the schools, and if the schools close, and we would follow suit and just follow the recommendations. And we we had another talk about that on uh, last Friday, but none of us were thinking uh, we're not even going to open Monday. That was not that was right. not in anybody's plan. Yeah. So uh, as as the news kept changing, we thought, well, if the school's going to close on Wednesday, we'll at least have Monday and Tuesday to sort of brace for it and get people what they need but then when we had confirmed cases in allegheny county i mean we just thought yeah. it would not be responsible to to open which was a hard choice i mean it's, it, it it does sort of go against your instinct to try to like serve and be there for the community but w- with yeah. the way the way things are moving it's it's i think it's a better choice to to step back and and see what we can do uh unique ways like we're doing now with um, promoting digital services and doing online things so i know kate's been in recording uh story times and other little like crafts yeah. that kids can do we've been doing some podcast stuff and we've got uh we're doing a digital book club next week and you know we've just been sort of rolling with it trying to staffs all off reading their the book club books and you know doing all the prep work they can for that so i think it's it's been nice to see us all like be working together on this just within the library and with a greater community i think i think that's it's nice to see that 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 we can do that in in something that's really unprecedented you know like i just can't I can't think of anything comparable to what's happening right now in recent history, you know? Yeah, I know. It is. It's a crazy time. But I appreciate, I've appreciated, like, STLS, their help in navigating, you know, what we should be doing or how much should we be doing. And I've, I've appreciated my board, too, because yeah. I know that some people, it just depends on how flexible they are or what they're willing to do in a crisis. And my board has been saying follow the directives follow what other directors are doing it's super like uplifting or helpful to know that like people are just like we trust that any decisions that need to be made are being made because they have to be made right but you're right it is hard because we all believe that libraries are essential Mm -hmm. and it's hard to know that like while we are essential things that are essential even cannot happen right Right. yeah like there's a difference between being essential in the real world and essential during a pandemic yeah yeah Um, exactly so I will say we were open on Monday and we had planned to be open on Tuesday, but we got all our schools were going to be open till Wednesday, but yeah. they got shut down immediately on Monday. So we had to close on Tuesday and we probably checked out more materials on Monday <laughs> yeah. like, than we ever have. Well, <laughs> like our whole, our new book section was just wiped out. There were maybe three or four books left. Yeah. I, I felt a little bad for those books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, see, that's what I was. That's what I was yeah. hoping that we would have the opportunity to do. You know, we fully planned to do that, but those cases so nearby, it just yeah. it changed everything, and so we're all bummed that that we couldn't do that. But luckily, I know, like with with the last year, um, the, the directors and the systems were come together and said, yes, let's let's put more into digital collections. It's a good time to get to know the Libby app, uh, which which is very. <laughs> I mean, it's very simple. If you've never used it, you just find Libby in the app store, look for your library, put in your, your library barcode on the back. And then for us, it's the last four digits of your phone number. Is that true in Hammondsport too? Yeah, it yeah. is. So that's, so that's your pin. Uh, and then you have access to just tons of stuff. There's kids books on there. There's graphic novels, there's fiction, nonfiction, poetry, there's eBooks, there's audio books. Um, there's really a lot on there. So now, now is a good time to do that. Um, I've used a lot of the audio books yeah, that's primarily what I use it for as well, because I, I still like a physical book to read. Right. Um, however, some people who are used to, and you can link it to your Kindle too, so if you're used to reading on a Kindle, you can do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I use it for audiobooks, and I was just surprised, because you've been trying to get me to use it for years, <laughs> and I finally did. Nice. Um, but I'm just, I was surprised at how many books are on there, because yeah. in my head I assumed it would be a limited number, like older books or like classics yeah. or something like that but they have new releases they have i mean honestly they especially have newer books which is awesome so yeah yeah 
super worth looking into. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I well, I think what's hard is also not knowing an end date, really. I mean, we, we have some arbitrary, like, we'll reevaluate at this point, but it's really hard to know what we're looking at. And so that makes it difficult to plan for. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We've decided uh, we've been wanting to shift our collection just to accommodate um, some things I've done, moved the Y. I made a YA section in the oh, back that's great. that messed up the the rest of our collection so we're taking this opportunity to disinfect all the shelves to disinfect the books to move them um and i started really fast i moved like a bunch of shelves and um lynn who is one of our clerks she was like we can slow down on that because we don't know how long it's gonna happen i was like that's actually a good point like (laughs) if we open tomorrow it's not gonna hurt anybody that they're not done yet but you just don't know so like find things that you can be working on like i'm excited about that change because mm-hmm. i think it's going to be way easier for people to find things and much more accessible yeah um but like we also can take our time i always think it's and really I, I think of, oh go ahead i was just gonna say i think it's important uh, in in the library space to to make changes like that every now and then because when i found when we've when we've done that you know we we've changed the layout of the main floor um, nothing super drastically, but just a few times we've said, you know, well, let's try mysteries over here or let's, let's separate like the sci-fi and have a sci-fi section, that sort of thing. And I find that it's usually met with a good amount of like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, let's not change. But it seems like more, more often than not, people sort of grow to at least adapt to the new setting. But I feel like usually it ends up stimulating interest in, in things that might've been overlooked before because... You know, if your if your habit is to just go to one particular shelf or set of shelves in the library, you might be missing some other things that you'd really enjoy. So, um, I think that's one of the benefits. It kind of redirects traffic and lets people see all of the different things that we have. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. I like that. I like that. How are you handling uh, working from home? I mean, so far, so um, between uh, Lynn, Deb, and I, we have divided our days. So there's at least one of us checking in on library stuff. So Mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday were my days. So I was in in the library all day just by myself. (laughs) Um, And then, yes, wait. Yes, yesterday and today are my first official days, like, working from home. Okay. Which are fine. I mean, I find, so I'm an introvert, (laughs) which I have to my advantage. I'm sorry, Nick. I know you are not. (laughs) Um, I find it a little hard to believe that you are, but anyway, go on. Oh, I know. (laughs) You're a skilled introvert. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) I do, like, I love spending time with my friends, and so I think as this goes on, that will become really difficult for me. Yeah. But as far as, like, not going out to eat or not going out to do other things like i i'm fine being home um but i do think like it's my i think the normal flow of working in a library is that you work on things you get interrupted you end up having good conversations you walk around the library a little bit you go back to your desk and that just doesn't happen at home right and so you feel like I feel like my attention span is shorter and I think the reality is it's not even that it's shorter it's just that I'm not having the good conversations or like the stimulating ideas or like whatever that usually happens so I've gotten like I got a good amount of I started writing a grant yesterday and like I felt good about that I I did some posting on Facebook and Instagram and stuff and so I felt good about what I got done but I mean this is week one so I do think like I'm gonna we'll all have to sort of work to focus ourselves what about you are you struggling i (laughs) i am you know it's it's hard it's hard for me not to i did i was in the library on monday senior staff met uh it was kind of funny because we were standing in the foyer like six feet apart so it looks like you know like some like an album cover for a folk band or something but we were all sort of spread out just talking about, okay, here's the things that we need to do. Here are the things that we need to make sure we're staying up on. Uh, and that was really good to have everybody together and, and feel like, okay, we have a plan. We know we know what we want to do. It's been difficult because we have, we have a large staff. You know, there's, there's 20 plus staff members. So trying to get everybody on the same page and yeah and making sure that you know people have things that they can be doing and that that we're not that we're using the time you know wisely is is uh is something that i feel really is important you know at this time for for our mental health and for the good of the library i think it's really important so it's it's been a little hard but i think that it illustrates something that that i'm really proud of about the library is that the staff is just i mean they're just top notch you know they're all we all work really well together and everybody has a real clear vision of like what their job is and the importance of that job and, and what, 
yeah. you know, to, when you boil it down, like what is the core of that and how do you keep doing that in this new like altered paradigm that we're working in right now. And I think everybody's up to the task. I think as a director, that's something that has been really rewarding for me and something that um, I'm really proud of in the staff. So it's been nice to see that. But it is a hard shift, you know? I miss going to the library. I miss being there. I miss yeah. the environment. I miss the staff. It's So it's hard. Yeah, when when we came up with our little schedule, one of my staff elected to sort of take a vacation for the next okay. month or so, yeah. um, which was fine because she primarily deals with ILL, which is not really a thing Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. Um, <laughs> so when the three of us kind of like sat down and figured out our schedule, I was like, the thing I felt sad was like, I'm just not going to see you all for like a, right. a month probably. Yeah. Which is the point of making that schedule, but it is, it's sad to think like, oh, well, like we'll still be in contact, but it won't be the same. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you, have you set up a, a special, like, this is my home workstation or, or do you, you don't need that? I probably do need that, but I haven't yet. Okay. <laughs> my wife has uh, an office and okay. I have a craft room, um, <laughs> but the craft room is not necessarily conducive to like sitting on okay. a computer. Also, I don't think I get internet back there. Okay. So I'll have to, like, currently we've both been working in the living room, which is fine, but it's not exactly like we're sitting on the floor right. with our laptops. Which yeah. I'm 31. I'm probably going to have back pain after yeah. a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just just for our listeners, you, you can probably tell that Sally and Sarah do not have children because <laughs> they can just work... <laughs> Wherever they want. Working in the living room together is an option that they have available to them. Yeah, how, how are you doing? I'm yeah. Five-year-old? He's five, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's just another challenge because, I mean, my wife's an editor, so, like, we, we both work, but we, we have to, you know, we have to keep up with school, too. It's like suddenly... There's all sorts of things that we're trying to figure out. So I feel like we have a good plan in place. So we've been taking advantage of a lot of the things that are out there. I mean, a lot of libraries have been posting great stuff. Kate just did a live story time earlier today. So, you know, we watched that. And um, he's been doing the Mo Willems, you know, Mo Willems, children's author. Is, uh, he's, he's an artist yeah, in residence. Oh, yeah. And so uh, my son's been doing that every day and he's really liked it. But day one, like the first day I was home, I was like, we have to designate a space where it's like work time. <laughs> So uh, our house has this weird little addition in the back of it that's kind of separate from the house. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that's why you see all the, the nice wood paneling here around me. Uh, <laughs> so we that space was just been kind of storage. We, uh, we, we reoriented that. Got a little workspace for me and a desk for my son. So it's like we know like that's school time. And so that's worked really well for us. And I'm glad we have that option, you know, to have to have the space. And we're really fortunate that we can do work from home, too. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It's a it's a scary yeah. time out there, you know. You really you really feel for people who you know are struggling with that because it's you know it's hard for us, yeah. and I can't imagine how how difficult it would be, you know, if you if you don't have that kind of flexibility. So it's uh, it, we're gonna I think we're gonna learn a lot about society over the next uh, several months. Yeah, I don't know. I will I don't say know. it's well. So my friend Tryan just got on from Elon. Shout out Tryan. Hi Tryan. Um, but I <laughs> but I've. Um, I've been uh, getting updates from the universities and stuff, and it's really hard for them right now to figure out who can work from home and yeah. how they can work from home. And I do feel really fortunate that the libraries like gave us eventually like a clear cut like nope, do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that makes I don't yeah. know just for like my mental well being to know that that's what is needed and wanted right now is mm-hmm. helpful. So yeah, it's hard for people to figure out what to do. Yep. Let the good times roll. We can do it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We've been trying to do like themes. Like today, for example, we decided it was Superman Day. So that's like the fun stuff we're doing is all Superman related. As you can see from that's my great. tie here. Love know. it, love it. <laughs> I was not wearing a tie for the rest of the day, but I thought, you know, camera, I should probably uh should probably yeah. get snazzy. Yeah. So I put on my fancy uh yeah. bug earrings. I can see that. I can see that. Shout out to Hannah, my sister in law and my brother because they got these for me. Oh. But I figured like they're my like classy nice earrings, so yeah i but i don't i don't remember who got me this tie but i did wear it to my high school graduation so i've i've had oh, it a good, you have had that a long time it's an heirloom it's a family heirloom what are you gonna do what are you gonna do all right sally i think it's time for a lightning round are you ready i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna ask you some hard hard questions all right are okay. you ready what is your favorite book or author i'll give you one of those Okay, well, my favorite author is probably Dorothy Allison. Um, she did, like, Bastard Out of Carolina, um, Cave Dweller, 
things like that. Okay. Um, my brother introduced me to her. My favorite book is probably The Hours or Jane Eyre. Oh, okay. Um, those are, yeah. Like Michael, Cunning, you, Michael Cunningham's The Hours? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. I have a quote from that tattooed on my back. That's right. <laughs> wow. Okay, I don't have any book quotes tattooed on me, so I can't. You win. You win that round. <laughs> Um, I'd have to give my favorite author to Jack Finney. You familiar with Jack Finney? Yes. I don't know if I've read any Jack Finney, but, but I, yeah, I'm familiar with him. He's most well known for, because he wrote Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but that's, okay. that's kind of atypical in, in the, in the books that he writes. A lot of them were, uh, a lot of them were made into movies and things, so you might've heard of them, but he has a, he has a time travel book called Time and Again, which I think is just excellent. That's one of my all time favorite books. And he has one called Good Neighbor Sam which is uh, a comedy and it's i just laughed right out loud at that book many many times it's one of the few books that i've reread it's made it to a movie with jack lemon the movie's not great but the book i love so probably jack finney oh have you is there's are there two of them i think there's like a new one in a 1950s 60s version of good neighbor sam or invasion of the body snatchers yeah there's several there's there's the kevin mccarthy one from the 50s and then there's a uh, one in the 70s with um Donald Sutherland and Leonard Nimoy. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's there's one in the '90s that's set in a military base, which I haven't seen, and then there was a more recent one with um, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman, just called Invasion. Quite a few okay. out there. But I love Jack Finney. I love Robert B. Parker, and uh, Patrick Dennis's book Anti Mame is one of my all time favorites. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right, music. Favorite album. My favorite album is definitely Joni Mitchell's Blue, which okay. is not the most, like, uncommon. I think a lot of people love that. Album. Okay. But, yeah, Joni Mitchell's Blue. I mean, I'm a huge, like, anything classic 80s rock, old school, like, 60s, 70s folk, bluegrass of any era. Okay. Like, any those era. Those are my jams. You're, you're big into modern bluegrass? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, like Irish Cement oh. is still sort of doing like she does like bluegrass Americana, but like she's writing music now that I think is just like gorgeous. Okay. So yeah, but like Joni Mitchell is Joni Mitchell's Blue, definitely my favorite album. Okay. What about you? All right. Well, I, I mean, I have to go McCartney. Paul McCartney's yeah. uh, Paul McCartney's debut album, which is just called McCartney. It has a a bowl of cherries on the cover. If you've ever seen that. It's uh he wrote it's it's written and recorded basically like right when the Beatles were breaking up and it was a whole thing because they wanted him to not put it out so they could put out Let It Be and it wouldn't be a conflict and it was a whole big fight but anyway McCartney as an album is just Paul went off to like his farm in Scotland and recorded this album he plays every instrument and does all the singing like it's just all him and it's just one that I love from start to finish like there's just there's not a bad track on it and it works really well as a unit i mean i think everybody knows like maybe i'm amazed you know that song oh yeah Yeah, that's from that that's the most like a single that there is on there but the rest of it just flows really well together so gotta give it to that i love that one yep favorite tv show sally um i'd have to award seinfeld that privilege oh yeah um i love my seinfeld um but i mean i also am a big fan of like the office x files buffy the fire slayer frazier can you tell i'm white (laughs) 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 but but, uh, seinfeld is probably my favorite okay watched that since i was a kid i remember being like four years old and our stairway in my parents house was like a corner Mm -hmm. and there was a big glass painting on the on the bottom of the stairs and i would sneak out of bed and sit on the stair so i could watch seinfeld reflected in ah the oh my parents knowing clever well they're gonna know now oh well yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it's really an unfair question that's why i asked you first because there's there's so many different so many different responses i feel like it changes for me on any given day but one i i would maybe say er because yeah. i just love it you know like i i had surgery several years ago and was was stuck um stuck home for a long time much like now mm. and i powered through like several seasons of er and i just love it and it's, it's a show that i i maybe miss more than other shows you know like i i have times where i think like i wish that i could go and watch more er but there's not more er so but it is 15 seasons long so do that's that a lot. not as much as Grey's anatomy but... that's true Grey's anatomy <laughs> did surpass that do, do you still watch Grey's anatomy by the way I do, but I'm a whole season behind. Okay. So I need to get caught up. Actually, this may afford me the time to like finally get caught you up. You could so. finally watch Private Practice. Or did you watch Private Practice? 
I've seen like two seasons of Private okay. Practice. Yeah. Which I actually do like Private Practice, yeah. but I'm not sure it has the same bingeable quality for me that Grey's Anatomy Probably did, so. not. Probably I think Private Practice is one that actually sort of gets better as it goes, which is not super common. Yeah. I, the later two seasons, I think, are probably the best. What about, uh, I don't know why we're talking about Grey's Anatomy spinoffs now, but we are. Uh, what about Station 19? Have you seen Station 19? No. Sorry, I okay. got confused with 911 for a oh. second. But no, I have not seen Station 19. It's okay. Good? It's yeah. okay. It okay. It, uh, I feel like it kind of found its groove late in the first season. And, and, you know, we watch it now, but, you know, I wouldn't put it at the tip top. So, yeah, I think I'd have to give it to ER. Sitcoms is really hard. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like The Office and Parks and Rec would be right up there. Seinfeld is like, I mean, I remember I remember skipping out of a choir concert so I could watch the Seinfeld finale, you know. That's so impressive. That's very, yeah. Yeah, they were like, I'm proud of you. they were like, you can't leave. Even even after, even after, like, your songs are done, you can't leave. But I did. And I watched Seinfeld. And you know what, Sally? I never looked back and I have no regrets. Uh, that's fair, that's fair. Favorite movie? So this is really hard. For I me. know. Um, this is probably the hardest question on here. I probably would give it to Amadeus. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. I could watch that movie literally anytime, anywhere, any place. I watched my wife and I went to see it on the big screen. Like they did a showing at a theater of like okay. throwback movies from the eighties, and so that was playing, and I like cried the entire wow. time just because I was like so happy to. Be there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's probably my my top. But like also on that list is like Aliens. I love the original Star Wars trilogy, Tokyo Story, um, Wings. I'm sorry. Did you did you did you say Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift was your favorite movie? (laughs) No, I tried to watch Fast and Furious movie once and I couldn't even get through it. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You want to torture me? Put me in front of an action film. It's basically those those movies are like two hour Doritos commercials. Is how I feel like. Pretty with much. those but pretty much all right but sorry you said tokyo story um wings of desire fried green tomatoes and then oh good a yeah. lot of horror movies yeah so like the descent texas chainsaw massacre house of wax some really great ones some really crappy ones okay but yeah all right but like amadeus probably probably gets number one honestly you know what i i could have guessed i could have made a hundred guesses and i wouldn't have gotten to amadeus <laughs> So you stumped me. That's good. Have you yeah. read uh have you read the book Fried Green Tomatoes? Fanny Flag? Yeah, well it's yeah, whistle stuff. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, I mean I've just seen the movie like my whole life, so I yeah. think I'm a little more endeared to the movie sure, than sure. the book. Yeah, that makes but sense. The book is great, so. that makes sense. Highly recommend. Okay. <laughs> What's the woman who Fanny Fanny Flag. Yeah. Uh okay, so I guess you want me to tell you my favorite movies now? I do. I do want to know your favorite I could I guess? I can't guess. No, oh, you can't? Guess. Really? You can't? Give it a shot. I don't know. I feel like I maybe... No, I probably wouldn't have guessed ER, but I feel like I would have had a better shot at your favorite TV show. Oh, okay. All I don't right. know, Superman? <laughs> Superman? Like like Christopher yeah. Reeve, Superman? I don't know. That's too. That's setting the bar Just because of the I tie. Have to tell me. <laughs> okay. uh, back to the Future? Oh, it's Back man. to the Future. Okay. I maybe like, should have gotten that. I mean, I... I, I there's a, there's a couple that I sort of go back and forth between that are like in my top five, but Back to the Future is pretty consistently the top because I think it's just a perfect movie, you know? It just... <laughs> hot take, hot take. It just gets everything right. The cast is so good, and then when they come back and do the sequels, they layer it so well, but uh, I was always, the whole trilogy is right up there, but Back to the Future 1, I really think, is a, is a great movie. Solid, solid. You're not a big Back to the Future fan? I like it. I like it. I, I wouldn't say it's perfect movie but <laughs> really well i just yeah, think uh, yeah. okay all right all right well i love back to no, the future but I mean, no but i do think it's a good movie yeah so i i mean i'm not against i mean i don't think i'm a day it's such a perfect movie okay either. all right all right remember when eric and i eric and i like to get into arguments as to whether uh citizen kane or jurassic park is the better movie yes you, you <laughs> never you never want to if if one of the options is jurassic park you don't want to have a conversation with eric about it period that's no, it. although I do love Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's good. I, well, thank you for representing him here as he, he's driving down the East Coast with three dogs in a car. Not something that I would want to do, but that's... that's yeah, Kendra did it yesterday. That's what he's doing. I know, I know. They can't go anywhere without three pets. So uh, Back to the Future is right at the tippy top. Um, 
Groundhog Day, Bill Murray Groundhog Day. Probably the movie I have seen the most. I love that movie. Uh, it's like you're groundhogging daying groundhog day exactly i love clue (laughs) i love clue you know tim curry madeline khan i love the ending where she says flames yeah i hated her so much (laughs) flames yeah which is uh which is improv it's not in the script madeline khan just did it which is probably the best part of that movie yeah i really love that um boy what else i mean those are the tops those are the top three you know what i love Weirdly, I love The Majestic with Jim Carrey and Martin Landau. I love that, that movie. Huh. I, that's, nice. That always stands out to me. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, and Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, what are you going to do no. with The Muppet Christmas Carol? That's fair. That's great. Fair. I love it. Yeah. I also love Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, yeah, I've never seen that. And in a different way, I love Ron Howard's Eat My Dust, which is such a weird little, like, 70s indie movie where Ron Howard and his girlfriend steal a car, but there's something about it that I just, I'm like transfixed by it. So, you know, hmm. what are you gonna do? Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I Sally, I, I think this, uh, this means the end of our, our time together. That's fair. It's just like you. An hour. So. Has it? Wow. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun, I guess. So, well, Sally, en- enjoy your isolation. Uh, enjoy your toad poster yeah. that, that I see prominently behind you every day yeah all right all right that's good uh if you if you're a podcast listener our next podcast episode eric and i found a book in the stacks it's never circulated it's from the year 2002 i think and is it's about a big news company that decides the best way for them to be uh, a big name in news is to have a hologram of elvis presley be their main anchor why is that never circulated? I don't know. You know, it sounds like a book that was written in like 1982, and then it might have been fun, but 2002 is a couple decades too late. That's actually fair. But I we agree with that. we really went all in with this book, so you can find that at SoundCloud.com/slash/AllTheBooks uh, or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find your your podcast. Look for the All the Books Show. Uh, Sally's episodes are the Halloween episodes, and they're all in a neat little playlist. So if you go to SoundCloud.com/slash/AllTheBooks, you can find all the Halloween episodes featuring my pal Sally Murphy, the the director of the Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library. Sally, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. On this me. live episode here of the All the Book Show. Uh, anything else you want to add about the uh, Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library for our folks to know? I mean, keep up with our Facebook, Instagram posts. Um, we're posting a lot of you know helpful links, especially for parents who are home trying to find activities and stuff like that. Um, and we'll also be posting updates. So when we know what's going on, when we can open, what our services are going to be able to be, we're going to post them there first. So just make sure you're checking that. Um, and stay safe. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I echo what Sally says. Uh, David A. Howe Public Library is doing the same thing. We're, we're staying active on social media. Uh, we're responding to emails and messages. Um, when we do have staff in there, we're answering the phone. So uh, stay in touch, and we'll do what we can. And wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yep. All right. Wash your hands. <laughs> My thanks again to Sally Jacofi Murphy for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the All the Book Show. Mm-hmm.